To promote my new flower shop, I had one place print my business cards, another print my brochures, and a third, my signs. Now my roses aren't red, my violets aren't blue, my geraniums look dead, and I don't know what to do. Staples can help your business stand out with signs, banners, and brochures that are a true reflection of your company. And now with Staples, spend $50 or more on print and marketing services and get $5 off your next in-store purchase. Now my business is blossoming and I'm spending less green. Exclusions apply. In-store only. And 623-18. Cyclones, welcome to another edition of the Wide Right Natty Light Podcast. This is Austin with you tonight. I go by Clone Teach on the site. Uh, this episode tonight is going to focus on Iowa State basketball recruiting. Here in just a little bit, I'm going to bring in uh, national recruiting expert Corey Evans to help us to dissect the Cyclone recruiting class as it stands right now after the fall signing period. Uh, just a reminder, if you're listening on iTunes, don't forget to hit subscribe. Give us a rating and a review. Uh, we'll go ahead and review any uh, any reviews on the air next episode. And if you don't leave any, well, we just might have to, to make some up. So at this point, we're going to bring in uh, Corey Evans. Corey, how are we doing tonight? How uh, how much have you enjoyed the start of college basketball thus far? Well, doing great, man. Doing great. Uh, great to be had on here. Um, loving the uh, loving the first week of the college basketball season. It's great to see some enticing matchups between uh, you know tonight you have Butler and Northwestern. Last night the Champions Classic. So I can't complain at all. What surprised you most? Maybe a team or a, a player that maybe you expect that's exceeding expectations or one that uh, isn't living up to the billing? You know, it's all been up to par so far. It's more so just what Frank Mason's kind of done at Kansas thus far. I mean, his, we, we've kind of all known what he was capable of doing in the past, but the past two games on that kind of a platform and, and the chance to play against two of the top ten teams in America and kind of dominate um, has to be pretty impressive. Before we dig into uh, Iowa State's recruiting class here, can you tell us a little bit about your work and where, where we can find it, and then we'll go ahead and put that in the show notes as well. Yeah, definitely. You know, I'm the managing editor at hoopscene.com. We're kind of a, a new and up-and-coming site. We're trying to rival some of the uh, more well-known um, platforms out there. But uh, you can find all my work at hoopscene.com. Also, my uh, my Twitter handle is CoreyEvans underscore 10. So CoreyEvans underscore 10. I think just today, uh, I hope senior released your current rec- recruiting rankings, top 25, had Iowa State at number 16. And part of that was they were the top team in the uh, Big 12 at the moment. Uh, first thing, I noticed Kansas isn't up there yet. How much will these fluctuate after the spring signing period? And where do you think the, the Cyclones end up uh, when it's all said and done? Yeah, I think it's definitely a top 20 class nationally. Um which, of course, is great for you guys, um, for Iowa State fans, that is. Uh, it's pretty impressive, it being, you know, Steve Prom has has never recruited at a high major level before as an assistant or a head coach. So to go out there and kind of land three top 125 recruits, um, you know, Terrence Lewis and Lindell Wigginton and the guy that I really, really like who – we're actually the only site that has him ranked is uh, Darius McNeil. Um, 
you know, I think they're 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 strictly a top twenty five uh class nationally and you know, at the end of the day they might not finish with the best group in the Big Twelve. I think Kansas is gonna get a couple of guys. Um but they are one of the better ones nationally and will probably finish top three in the Big Twelve. You mentioned Darius McNeil as one that you guys are a little higher on than other sites. I know Cyclone fans kind of think of Lindell Wigginton as the crown jewel of the class so far. What is it that you guys see in Darius McNeil that maybe some other sites don't right now? Yeah, um, you know, it's more about what we hope to see. You know, um, evaluating and what we do is is half about what he is now and also about projecting. Um, and, and I just love the upside of Darius. I mean, he's a lightning quick lead guard. Um, he's more of a scorer than a, a facilitator to a certain extreme. Um, and, and that's kind of what Lindell Wigginton is like um, in, in the same mindset. But just the toughness, the length, the size, um, the explosiveness, his ability to get to, you know, zero, zero to 100, um, that's what I really, really like about him. And also, down in Texas, some of these guys just aren't seen as well. Um, Darius plays for a, a non-shoot-sponsored travel program, so he wasn't seen much this past uh, this past summer. So not many have really seen him from the national perspective. Um, but from what I've seen from him, he's a competitor. He's going to be a guy that wants to get better, and he'll be a guy that wants to play both ends of the basketball floor. How much can we realistically expect the three that have signed in Darius McNeil, Terrence Lewis, and Lindell Wigginton to contribute for the Cyclones next season? Yeah, they're all they're all going to have to contribute in some way or some form. Um, I think Terrence Lewis's defensive versatility will be, you know, what, what makes him valuable early on. Um, Darius, he's going to have a bigger learning curve, um, but he also has maybe the best, best upside of the three. But Lindell Wigginton is is probably the most ready-made of the three guys, and he's the kind of guy that could really help you out right now. Um, and, and, you know, with the graduation of Monte Morris, you know, your All-American point guard that, in my mind, is the best floor general um, bar none in America. I think Lindell Wigginton is more than ready to kind of step in and, and be that guy. He's been that guy on the travel circuit for two or three years. He's been that guy on the high school circuit for the past two years with the Mighty Oak Hill Academy program. So he's going to come in and, and be ready to compete, whether it is play, make, and make others better, or more so what he does the best is just score the basketball. I mean, he'll be a crunch time uh, producer that from day one will not be afraid of the biggest moment provided to him. Cameron Lard was technically part of the 2016 recruiting class. He hasn't enrolled yet at Iowa State. He's going to at the semester. What can you tell us about his game and 
if we included him in the 2017 class, which for all intents and purposes he basically is a member of, how would that impact the class as a whole going forward? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he, he really brings some optimism. Um, you know, Iowa State is kind of still in need of uh, a big man or two for 17. And if you throw Cam Lard's name into the mix as a 2017 class member, it kind of raises the class up a bit even higher. Uh, you know, Cam's, he's still more of a, a project type, but he's long, he's active, he can defend different spots. Uh, and you throw him into the mix with, you know, Terrence and uh, Lindell and Darius, and that's a really, really good four-man class. The class is rumored to, to possibly have picked another one up here in the fall period, but it, it hasn't happened, and Isaiah Stokes. Where does ISU stand with Isaiah Stokes? He, they're definitely a front-runner for him. Um, you know, there hasn't been... Uh, for a top 100 prospect, there hasn't been uh, much attention given to Isaiah from a national perspective. Uh, and he's kind of played things close to vest. That's just how he's been. And then making the move down to IMG is kind of uh, it's kind of hit some things um, nationally. Uh, but you know, really, it's a four-man race between uh, TCU, Iowa State, Florida, and Tennessee. Uh, you know, Tennessee is where his brother once played before making his way to the NBA, uh, Jornell. Uh, you know, TCU has the, the card of, they're playing the card of, um, you know, Ryan Miller, an assistant coach at, at TCU. His brother, of course, is uh, Mike Miller, the NBA star, former NBA star. Might still be in the NBA, but uh, Isaiah played travel basketball for Mike Miller's program and 3-3-M Elite. So there's some connection there. And then Florida, of course, you have, you know, the local program now um, being so close, Bradenton to Gainesville, about a two-hour drive or so. Uh, so Florida's right there for him. And they were in the mix before he made the move. Uh, but, you know, Willie Small and, and the staff at Iowa State has, has made great inroads to Isaiah. Uh, you know, signing period now finishing up tonight. Uh, chances are that they won't sign until the you know, late late period in April. Um, but if I was a man, I would hedge my bets for that Iowa State for Isaiah. Should Iowa State fans uh, and Steve Pro and the company have any concerns about if they got Stokes and then having Cameron Lard? having what would be five true freshmen next season, and you anticipate them because of that maybe getting some junior college players or being in the mix for a grad transfer or a mid-year transfer? Yeah, you know, they definitely want, I think, six guys. Um, and they're definitely going to go for another JUCO, I believe. Um, they've already entertained a couple junior college prospects as it is. Um so they definitely want to add some more experience or some, you know, age and maturity um, to the mix. And, and also that can go and help with maybe right-shirting a guy like Darius McNeil and allowing for him to mature properly and not rushing him along too fast. It's always difficult to add five true freshmen to uh, such a power conference program like Iowa State 
and where they stand right now on a national uh, on a national platform. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it's difficult five freshmen, um, but also it's five really, really good and talented freshmen. So it's probably not much of an issue when you bring that into play. When you talk about red shirts uh, being connected nationally, what is how do freshmen typically react when a, a coach approaches them about a red shirt? And is that something that comes up in recruiting conversations, or is that something where you know, coach is just trying to sell them as much playing time as soon as possible, and then if they realize they aren't going to play, then they approach them about a red shirt. Yeah, it's it's, it's exactly that. It's it's a former and the latter. Um, you know, sometimes it's it's more of um, it's having the player see it for himself and in practice. They see that they're probably not playing as well as they should be, or might not see the minutes that they want to see. So. It's kind of a mutual thing where the player understands where the coach might be coming from and kind of sees a one-year extra of you know, development and becoming better and also um, being able to come in and produce immediately. Uh, and other times you have you know, a guy like you know, certain prospects that understand coming in that the red shirt is the, the, the first course of action. Um, going back to they understand their strengths and weaknesses and they understand that to get better they need a year to mature and not not use that extra year of el- or to, or not waste that year of eligibility uh, and instead use a year of red shirt to kind of bear themselves and also their team. Iowa State might be in the mix for uh, either junior college or transfer as you alluded to earlier, how does the transfer process really work? I know for Iowa State it's worked out great over the last couple of years. Uh, we've, we've got a lot of talented players from either Marquette or Michigan State, but how much behind the scenes and things that are uh, maybe in that gray area recruiting-wise really happen uh, before a player commits to another school? Yeah, it, it's kind of uh, it's kind of like the new frontier right now. Um, it's kind of like its own new world, I guess you could say. Um, you know, and Iowa State's done great in the past at, at finding you know graduate transfers or um, guys like Deontay Burton that sit out a year. Um, so it's it's actually pretty impressive that this is probably the best um, that Iowa State has recruited at on the high school level in the past 10, 12, 15 years, because really, um, you know, the former head coach at Iowa State, you know, they, in that staff, they weren't really recruiting that hard on the high school level. They were getting more of their guys from the transfer round. Um, but, you know, going back to your question, um, you know, the transfer thing, it's kind of tricky. There's some guys that the majority of transfers are guys that, aren't happy where they are, aren't getting the playing time, and they are down transfers. Down transfers refer to guys that, you know, go from the high major level to the mid-major level or the mid-major level to the low major level. And then you have your minority, which is the up transfers. And they're the guys that, you know, kind of succeed at the the mid-major level and kind of want to, you know, go and play for the highest level. 
um, whether it be sit out a year or, you know, guys like a Merrill Holden uh, that went from Louisiana Tech to, you know, is now doing well for you guys in in uh, in Ames this year. Um, so it's more so of for the graduate transfers, they have to graduate and get their degree and also go somewhere else where that graduate course they want to major in is not offered at their particular institution that they're at at the moment. Um, you know, and then of course things go pretty fast. They, they work pretty fluidly. You know, the, uh, um, they can, you know, speak freely with colleges again, like it's, they're being recruited all over again out of high school. Um, and for the, the better talents out there, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a, it's a priority deal. It's, it's, we want you, we need you, and, um, you know, it can kind of go pretty fast. Some of the mid-major schools or low-major schools even, uh, their their coaches are frustrated with the fifth-year transfer rule. They feel like they're being cherry-picked, uh, and it's not fair to them. What are, you, what are your thoughts uh, as, a, as a recruiting expert here with the fifth-year transfer rules? And do you think they're going to stay where they're at for a while? Um, you know, I think, it, I, I think the 50 year thing, it's kind of, it, it still is pretty tricky right now because everyone on both, both angles, they're, they're trying to figure it all out. Um, you know, the difficult part is being a fifth year graduate transfer, it's impossible to get your graduate degree, uh, to graduate in, in a year's time. I mean, it takes two years for the most part. So I could definitely see it where it's, you know, you graduate and you, you, uh, you transfer and you sit out a year and then, and then you, you play your one year left, which would allow for you to get that, um, that, that extra degree. Um, and it's difficult with the low majors and mid majors because you've, you've inputted so much time and effort four or five years on a kid and when you finally get the chance to reap the, the, the benefits and rewards of that ball player they leave and it's kind of without your knowledge or understanding so you've you've game planned two three years in advance for that following season and having that guy as your quote-unquote guy and they leave <laughs> and you go from being primitive favorites to win your conference, which could set you up personally for a better job to being another middle of the pack and, and throwing you back two or three years. So it, it's kind of a double-edged sword and it's difficult because the high majors, of course, they, uh, they're going to enjoy it. And the low majors, mid majors aren't, aren't going to as much. And that just the way the, the industry and business works right now. You mentioned how it could impact the coach being able to possibly leave for another job, and I think that's where some other people come from is, hey, these, these coaches can leave whenever they get a, a better opportunity, and, you know, why why can't the players leave when they get a better opportunity and sit out and those sorts of things? But maybe that's a topic for a different day. From uh, uh, things that you see and hear on the recruiting trail, what are what's kind of the national perception of, his recruiting ability nationwide. 
Yeah, I think it's it's pretty impressive right now. Um, just going back to his background and pedigree, uh, you know, he's never recruited at a high major level. So, you know, to be two years in and be sitting with a top 15, top 20 recruiting class, um, doing it for the second time around at Iowa State, it's pretty impressive. And, you know, landing Terrence Lewis was great, and landing Darius McNeil was great, and landing Solomon Young last year was great, and Cam Lard and those kind of guys. But I think really the the attention grabber was Lindell Wigginton. Um, that's a top 50 kid nationally that could have played practically anywhere he wanted in America, and he's probably still underrated to a certain extreme. And to pick Iowa State over so many really, really good basketball programs like Oregon and Arizona State uh, and a slew of others, um, that really got some eyes turned there saying, you know, Iowa State is here not just as a transfer landing spot, but also as a landing spot for some of the best players nationally from the high school realm. Um, you know, which it, it's a great deal of respect for C-Prom because he's coached NBA guys uh, at Murray State, and now he's coaching NBA guys at Iowa State. And, and on the high school level, on the player angle, um, I think it's going to, you know, it's it's a big sell. That's why Kentucky and Duke and Kansas have such good sells right now is because they have a multitude of guys in the NBA and now that Steve Prom can can say, hey, you know, we have Monty Morris and, uh, you know, and such and such in the NBA, it's going to go a long way with recruits. And I think Lindell Wigginton is next in line there. And, uh, you know, the respect and the notoriety of Steve Prom is is uh, gaining by the day. At first, he kind of attacks the southeast, and he still has a lot of ties down there. That He said that that's where his relationships were with Murray State, and he wanted to keep those relationships, and he felt comfortable uh, starting there. Do you think that's something that he'll continue to try and get the fruits of those labors, or do you think he's going to become more national or maybe get back to the Midwest now that he's at Iowa State? I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's – it's kind of like what you see in the 2017 class, right? You have Terrence Lewis, a, a Wisconsin native. You have Darius McNeil, a, a, a Texas native. And you have Lindell Wigginton, who's kind of uh, the anomaly of it all, you know, from Nova Scotia, Canada. Um, but he's playing out at, at Oak Hill in Virginia. But I always say it's a different pitch because, you know, they're, they're the most northern um, program in the Big 12, I believe. Um, but, you know, the Big 12, the nucleus is built, you know, more so in the South. And, and that's where Steve Prom and most of his staff um, call home or have most of their recruiting ties. So I, I think hiring Steve Prom was great, a great idea, because, you know, their their base is the South. But so they can still recruit down there because that's where – they do best, and it's also still in the Big 12 um, niche. But also you have, you know, the states of Illinois and Wisconsin and Indiana that are very, very strong. Um, so where you're going to see classes of types like this, where you have a Wisconsin guy, top 100 guy, a Texas guy, top 125 guy, and they're right there for Isaiah Soaks, another top 100 guy who's from the South. So, 
I think you'll see a mix of both. College recruiting in both football and basketball uh, has become a, a big business. Uh, it, it's popping up. A lot of people are interested in it going forward. Recruits are starting to get a lot more attention than maybe they were used to with Twitter and social media and all sorts of different um, areas. Do you think there are some players out there that enjoy recruiting attention almost more than they enjoy playing the actual game? And what kind of challenges does that present for college coaches? Yeah, that's a, it's a great question actually. And and it's very, very true. I I believe that there are some guys out there that, I mean, in any given class, 2017 is a few of them that just love the process. They love, um, and who doesn't really like getting attention? Um, you know, whether it's small or great, um, but, but, Kids more so. Uh, some just love the idea of seeing their name um, written on or talked about. Uh, and, and the one issue is when those kids get to college, that attention is no more. Especially most freshmen. Uh, you know, you, you, let, let's throw the you know the Josh Jacksons out the window and guys like that. Most of those freshmen have a steep learning curve, so. It, it's really the first time in their lives they face adversity on the basketball floor and even sometimes in life in general. So it's getting those kids to buy in to accepting that adversity, to not seeing their name in the spotlight. Um, and sometimes th- that enjoyment of the process, it's a little bit selfish, I guess, or self-centered. Um, at the college level, egos are thrown out the door. If you have an ego, it's going to show. And it's more so about the team. And if you aren't about the team, you're either going to see the bench or you're going to become a part of the numbers game and become part of that transfer wire that we see revolving every April. In a way, to me, you've almost kind of described Bill Self's strategy with his highly ranked freshmen. He's almost started to uh, it's almost started to become the norm that those freshmen come in, they're highly ranked, and they definitely have to earn their spots uh, going forward when they could be playing, you know, 30 minutes a game at other schools. Do you agree with that strategy? And maybe do you think at some point that starts to hinder his recruiting or are they just such a well-oiled machine that nothing's really going to slow them down? Yeah. Well, you know, what what helps Bill Self with that, um, you know, say compared to John Calipari is that uh, Bill Self isn't really reliant as reliant on freshmen um, for the makeup of his team. You know, you look at this year, you know, you have Frank Mason and Devontae Graham, um, and, and, you know, say you got you don't have those two guys. Josh Jackson is the centerpiece of that team then. Um, but, you know, going back to the past three, four, or five years, you know, Shaq Diallo, um, Cliff Alexander, even a guy like Andrew Wiggins didn't really do great his first four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games of the year. Um 
I, I love his mindset. I love his mantra. Uh, I love, you know, he got, kind of got to break him in and show him the ropes a little bit and just not feed him to the, uh, the wolves, as you could say. Um, you know, Josh Jackson is a superior talent, but even watching him last night, emotionally, he is so out of whack right now. Um, you know, he, he really needs to get his emotions intact. Um, and with Kansas in their the, the depth of their roster, Bill Self can coach him, can, can mature him properly. Or somewhere else, he wouldn't be able to do that. And, and I think that's kind of what made what's made Bill Self who he is, and, and made Kansas what it is of winners of twelve straight conference tournament titles or, or conference titles. This might be a little cliche question, but we've started college basketball. Who do you uh, who do you see cutting down the nets in in April, and and who's going to join them in the final four? Do you think? Yeah, um, that's a tough one again. Um, and I think if all goes right and health is on their side, I really, really like um, Duke. I, I think Duke is just, you know, last night they're playing a top 10 team in Kansas and really should have beat them without their three top NBA prospects on the floor. So give me Duke. Uh, you guys won't like this too much, but give me Kansas. Uh, and then two of my dark horses, I like Xavier a lot, and I like Louisville a lot. Well, Corey, we appreciate you joining us tonight. Uh, maybe when the recruiting class comes to an end or as we get close to the signing signing period in the spring, we can bring you on again and recap what we hope is maybe a class full of uh, Isaiah Stokes and some other stellar JUCOs. How does that sound? That sounds great, man. I appreciate you having me on. All right. Well, we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you later, Corey. That was Corey Evans from HoopScene.com. Uh, once again, you can catch Corey's work there uh, as well as on Twitter at Corey Evans underscore ten. Corey Evans underscore one zero. Uh, this is Austin. You can catch me on Twitter at Wrigley underscore Ivy. Uh, and don't forget to to give us a review. Like I said, we're going to read them on air next time. And if you guys don't give us some, well, hell, we're going to have to make some up. So don't make us do that. Leave us a review. Subscribe on iTunes. Until next time, uh, we'll catch you later. Oh, here I go. Oh, here I go. Oh, here I go.